Hello and welcome back. Today we are going to be discussing uh, personal training, education, and um, how that matters. Does it? Well, that's kind of the question, isn't it? Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry. Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey. So like the the first thing to discuss when it comes to educational standards is personal training is an unlicensed field in most places other than Australia, basically. Um, So when we start talking about it, we did an episode a long time ago about how to select a coach, right? Mm Mm-hmm. When we start talking about what are some things I should look for with my coach and what are some things, red flags that I should stay away from, um, this ends up being a pertinent conversation. And one of the things that I can't help look at is, does your coach take the time to make sure that he's, he or she, that they have the right steps in place to make sure that you're both covered uh, from a competency and an insurance standpoint. Mm-hmm. And like we had to talk offline about this, just being like, well, just because somebody has a certification, does it mean that they are qualified? And I would say, no, I would say that they're, that they're to a minimum standard of understanding. That's what I would say it means. But I've got a lot of people that they ask me, what's the difference between accreditation and certification? It's like, well, a certification would be like, I took, this course and here's a certificate that i attended saying i absorbed said information well yeah that's an interesting topic in itself how much did you actually absorb yeah like we'll get to that like passing a test doesn't mean you've absorbed the information for sure but outside of that we we start talking about okay certification means i was at this course for x y or z accreditation is um a particular professional association saying that you have past their requirements to say that you're qualified in X field. Mm -hmm. So when you ask your trainer or a trainer or anybody, what is your accreditation? There's a variety of, of answers that you could get because not being a, a registered profession, there's a lot of different accreditations you can get. So you know, some of the common ones that you'll run into is ISSA. ISSA is the International Sports Sciences Association. Um, their particular program is very affordable for the trainer, very quick to go through, and it's an open book test at the end. So, you know, that that's really interesting for a client. You'd, you'd want to know, like, oh, open book test to get that, hey? So what does that really mean? Like, I hear people talk very negatively about the old two-day course thing, and that's mm-hmm. CanFit Pro. And... Listen, man, I've met some really good coaches and trainers that started with a CanFit Pro. Yeah. But they didn't just stay there. Yeah, they moved like, forward after. You started with CanFit, did you not? That was my first, yeah, first year. And what did that accomplish for you? Once I, well, it just kind of like kick-started my career after that and started taking more education, learning more, um, practicing in the field, like also just extremely passionate about it, though. It wasn't something oh. where I was like, oh, like, let's just try this for, for a go. Well, and... I'd say that you're a good exemplar because that course it's, I'm not saying that course is bad. Like people get really down on there. It's just a two day course. I could be a trainer. It's like, oh yeah, but 
well, you have to do your two day course and you have to do your, your actual evaluation. And it's like, well, the person evaluating is no good. Well, <laughs> I've seen that in action. Like that person probably hasn't trained anybody in years. They're just following standards, but their job is to make sure that this person meets a minimum standard of understanding. Mm-hmm. So they can do that job effectively. You'll see the fitness mentors, they offer an accreditation now. Um, NASM is one of the more notable ones. I actually just... NASM. Yeah. So I've done a whole bunch of of these different ones. And when one expires, I usually do a new one. And NASM was the last one that I did. Their program was actually pretty decent. But for me, I still just wish that there was more in it. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much that a person needs. Like they come out with uh, NASM. They've got an idea of where to start, but... I have a lot of people that have a lot of these accreditations that I mentor because they come out of it and they're like, well, how do I put it together? And I'm like, yeah, that's the game. Well, even to, to that point, like you could go to university and get a kinesiology degree for four years and not know how to cue a squat properly or the muscles, the deadlifts working in the most optimal ways to perform it. Like you can be completely lost, even though you have kinesiology. I've seen it. I have absolutely hiring people straight out of Exhibit A. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I don't have a kid. I did phys ed. Oh. But I've run into people that have master's degrees, but they weren't studying how to be a coach. They were studying cell biology and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, he's exercise phys, master's degree. It's like, that doesn't mean he's a good coach. And that's the first thing that I would say is that I'm not saying that any of these certificates are bad, but what I'm saying is they are a starting point. Like you can get into the National Council on Strength and Fitness, so NCSF, um, the NSCA. You have that one. That's the National one I did Strength this year, and Conditioning yeah. Association. Yeah, they offer a certificate that I'll probably get at one point, certified strength and conditioning specialist. Yeah, and you'd only get that one if you have a degree, so it has more, more hype, more a little bit of more weight behind weight it. Weight behind it for sure, but um, there's. But I, even then, to that point, how many people have asked you? what your education was. Well, this is where it gets to. We don't need to talk through all these certifications. At the end of the day, when people like approach if you said, me, if you were like, you, I've seen your business card back in the day and it's like, B, C, A, K, N, A, B, A, C, D, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. I never put the alphabet on It doesn't mean much there. though for, no, it doesn't mean much for the average person. You can hand them a business card and they're like, whoa, this guy's got a lot of letters. Yeah. He must be good. <laughs> mm. That's how you can tell it's good. It has bits of real panther. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this is the thing, right? Like I've, I had a girl two years ago, she was a nurse actually. And she, she asked me what my accreditation was and I told her. And then she said, well, what's your continuing ed like? And I explained the long list and explained what each one was and all that. And then she said, well, what are your, oh, what did she call it? What are your accolades? And I was like, oh man, professional accolades. That's a thing in the healthcare industry. Yeah. Well, um, I've actually been named top 10 trainer in Canada by impact magazine twice. Uh, um, I received top trainer from IFH in 2008. Um, I've actually accomplished national records in Olympic lifting and, and things like this. And, and I went through it with her, but that was, it was almost off putting, not because I didn't like the question, but because I'm, I'm very rarely Unusual. asked that. Yeah. So do you think that people should be asking their trainers what their accreditation is? I'm torn on it just because, again, when we start looking through the accreditations, they all just look like different alphabets, and people don't even really understand what's the weight behind said alphabet. Like, if totally. I said I have an, an NSCA CPT like cert, and you have an NSCA CSCS cert, 
Nobody really knows what that means unless you have to explain it to them. And then if you have to explain it to them, it kind of, it's like a, a, a joke that you have to explain. It loses weight when you explain it, I think. Totally. Yeah. So I actually, so I'm going to take the side of it that I actually think that it is valuable for somebody to ask what their personal trainers, um, accreditations and certifications are to deal with their specific scenario. And then outside of that, they should be asking what their experience is having actually done it. So I've had a lot of people say, oh yeah, well you just have a mobility issue and I learned this at this course. And it's like, okay, well, that's, that's not, what you just said to them is not going to fix their problem. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I did fascial stretch therapy, which is another certification that is, it's another passive strategy to use. And there's some value to it for sure. But you need to know how to use that within an exercise program to make it truly valuable. So when we start talking about these accreditations and certifications, I actually think that it is important for a client to ask their personal trainer what it is and whether it's currently active because for them, they're limiting exposure for themselves. For instance, if they were to be injured and they, they had to take time off work and they actually needed to put through an insurance claim, they would need to ask their trainer, are you accredited and do you have insurance? And if they have insurance and aren't accredited, their insurance is void. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're in a bad spot as a client. Mm-hmm. So it exposes you to risk. And I really think that they should, that the client should be doing some homework to be like, did I choose the right person? Yeah. It's just unusual because again, like I've been in the industry for 12 years and rarely, rarely asked any of that. And even when I was in a manager position, um, like delegating clients to different trainers, they weren't so much concerned about what their education was, but more about just like, who, like, again, like personality and style and you know, preferences and things like that. Like, well, you should go with Curtis because he's an Olympic weightlifter and that's what you want to do and he's really good and he's super friendly and, like, very well-spoken, assertive. Or you should go with this person because they're softer and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's what people are more concerned about is, like, how well am I going to fit? Not necessarily how educated is this person. Yeah, well, and I think that education only carries so much because I've, you know, I would I would really, if, if I was hiring somebody, which I have a current coach and... I, I asked him, I was like, what are you currently working on right now? Like, I know you're certified through N1 and I know that you've got this and I know you've got that, but what are you working on right now? Mm. And his answer to that was really cool for me. He's like, well, I'm working through this next course, which is a progressive overload course. It's actually through N1 again, but here's what I'm working on and here's what I'm learning. And I was like, man, that's, that's motivating just to hear somebody that's willing to move forward yeah. versus somebody that's like, well, I got my CanFit 15 years ago and I just do enough CEUs every two years to keep that. Yeah. It's like, man, there's, there's a different level of engagement there. And I think it can be super important. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just the difference between people who are like truly passionate versus people just going through the motions. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's really important to see that because the thing that I don't like to see, so like, what, are, what are we really trying to avoid here? The thing that I hate to see is when somebody's like, Oh, I hired a trainer once and it. I, you know, they made me do this and I hated this. And, and so, yeah, I don't believe in training. It's like, yeah. like, that is damaging. That takes a person's whole view on the amazing things that could be available to them and turns them away from it. And that, to me, is really upsetting. Mm-hmm. And I, I worry about that with a lot of the online stuff that I see now because there's a lot of people that are underqualified and underskilled saying a lot of things that are overhyped. Yeah. And that mix can be a really dangerous thing. Well, that's the funny part of the the industry. Like me and you both had manager experience where I've told people like I've seen some of the most highly educated trainers 
not do so well as a trainer because they're not very great at the hype or they're not great at the sales process they're really great at all the book smarts but uh when it came to like talking to people like just going into the gym and just talking to strangers and offering guidance and help and support they were like scared whereas you see somebody who maybe took a weekend course and they just got the quick the quick course and they're certified and they're ready to rock but they love people and they love talking to people even if they're going out there spouting some wrong answers they became more successful in the industry just because charisma personality outgoingness passion attitude attitude like i've had a lot of people come in that they're like well i have this and so they feel like they've arrived it's like well in fitness you've never arrived man there's always going to be somebody that knows more about that yeah so and go practice it and see how it works for people if you're going the right steps like you you gotta get in there and practice and and prove what works and get rid of the stuff that really doesn't because I've heard a lot of stuff that people say and I'm like, nah, it's not, I've tried that. I've seen that. No, that's not the way. Um, but I've hired a PhD person before I've hired, um, masters. I've hired all sorts of different people with different credentials and the ones that come out, I had, I hired one particular that had a degree and he felt like because he had a degree that he knew everything and nobody could teach him anything. I was like, man, you can't fill a cup that's already full. So that, the next person that hires him has a person that they have such assuredness behind them already in their belief that they're not going to learn anything new or be open to taking on any feedback, which is going to be a tough experience as a client. Mm-hmm. So like the entitlement thing for a trainer, like, well, I've done all of this, so I, I'm all of that in a bag of potato chips. It's like, no, that's, that's a problem too. It's yeah. shoe on the other foot, right? Yeah. The internet adds a weird mix to this as well because, again, you have the fitness influencers like the TikToks, the Instagrams and stuff like that. Like their their business can blow up just due to exposure or how they were able to train themselves. So maybe they're terrible at programming, terrible at like uh, client relations, like talking to you and touching base with you and seeing how things are going, helping you problem solve. But they're great at training themselves so they can look phenomenal and just pump out a BS program and who even knows what their accreditations or certifications are. Well, and just because they look good, A, doesn't mean they know anything and B, you don't know why they look so good. Right. And sometimes they're doing things that you would not want to do to look that good. Right. And we can get into that talk in a big way, but I don't think it's super positive. You're talking about the souse? <laughs> We're talking about the souse. <laughs> not A1 though. Mm. Yeah. Not steak sauce. Yeah, no. So anyways, our conversation previously about how to hire a coach, I think, is, is one that bears mentioning. But um, that's definitely like the, the primary bulk of this conversation because this is a piece. Yeah, this is just a piece of it. But that accreditation, I think, in a lot of ways, it does make sense to see, you know, what's my trainer's level of engagement with the actual craft? You know what I think part of the issue is, too, in my experience, when I've done client consultations and things like that, the client, in my experience, not talking about everyone, the client normally is coming in so nervous or anxious to be in a new a new environment that's unusual and they have like you've seen it as well and they go into the consult room with the trainer and the trainer is the doctor now like I'm doctor fitness I'm going to give you the answers so I didn't I never found that like many clients when when they were performed in consults wanted to ask questions because they felt like it was Curtis, what's your what's your lifestyle like? What's your diet like? What's this like? Oh yeah, I'm the, I'm Doctor Fitness. I'm asking the questions here, and like, I don't think people actually had the confidence to outrightly be like, "How smart are you?" or "What's your what's your certification?" Anything like that. Well, and that's why I think this conversation is valuable because I think that the consumer 
the consumer has a duty of care to themselves only. But that duty of care is to make sure that they're getting involved in the right thing and spending their money in a good way. And at the end of the day, the choices the consumer makes is what's going to drive the behaviors. So the whole fitfluencer thing, that persists because people follow them and people buy from them. Mm-hmm. And for the ones that are actually having a really good impact on people, good. Um, but would you say that's all of them? Definitely not. I think a lot of them, it's mostly just hype. And I haven't, I haven't seen really great outcomes. It's, it's just like, well, look what I ate today. You should eat this too. It's like, well, inappropriate. You don't know where this person's at. You probably shouldn't say that. Mm. Uh, but at the end of the day, for the consumer to, to educate themselves and pay attention to what they're getting involved in and really take control of, I'm going to spend money, I want to know X, Y, and Z, um, that, in my view, is how you can move the industry forward. And when you see, oh, you have to work with a professional on people's walls and you know that their entire staff is brand new trainers to the industry because they don't actually have a system that allows trainers to make any money. Um, All of a sudden you're dealing with a system where the trainer isn't treated well, so the trainer can't stay, so the client gets handed off back and forth and back and forth. And this is, that sort of churn and burn is really damaging, I think. Mm -hmm. So. Fitness or fiction. PTA accreditation, I think, is fitness. I don't think that it's where it could be and where it will go, but especially when you go with somebody like um, ACE or NASM or NSCA, um, you can at least know that people have reached some sort of level of competence that they they can actually understand. They're, they're some trying of the to be a professional involved. and do the work behind behind the scenes, not just be a hype man who kind of sneaks in and, and you're and you're taking care of should you run into an issue yeah if they're if they it's some guy you met at the gym who's on the gym floor is like yeah slip me 50 bucks every workout and i work out with you and then you get injured and they just disappear probably doesn't happen all that often but i bet you it's happened once or twice a lot of my clients have worked with somebody before that left them out to dry yeah so it's one of those things it does happen but if you've made it this far glad you came with us if you have any questions comments queries uh, please drop them and give us a follow and we would love to engage with you queries indeed thanks for joining us this week we appreciate your support if you enjoy this episode we'd love it if you would subscribe follow and throw us a like on youtube spotify or apple podcasts